Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, the walking, talking Stephen Hawking of football, Dr. Luke Bledall. How are you doing today, Luke? <laughs> it's going to take me a lot of time to process that one, Rich. You know, I'm really going to have to go off and doing that. I mean, I'm good. You know why I'm good, Rich? How are you? You know good? why I'm good? It's because I'm doing a podcast with the Richie Miller, with the Richie Miller. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. I um, well, that we, we, you know, we're here. This is the thing. It's a podcast. Mm. It's happening. Um, We've already started recording. We may we as well carry on talking. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I think the more we can distract ourselves before we talk about the two matches this week, the better, really. Mm. So I believe, Luke, you, you have got another another missive from the network uh, teeing up one of their, their tremendous new shows. Indeed. I've got another new Owlers on Prime show to promote. And the hips just keep on coming in the way of hard-hitting era drama Marcos. Marcos goes back to the heady days of the 2018-19 season, and it sees ex-Wednesday Portuguese winger Marco Matias in a difficult scrape juggling his facade of playing as a professional footballer for the Owls alongside the running of his Portuguese bakery. What is this dark secret? Well, shopping those delicious Portuguese egg custards are mere- merely a money-laundering front for selling vast quantities of Peruvian cocaine. <laughs> Also, see him call upon the sole goodman of football lawyering, Nick DeMarco, as Nick shares some shady advice for getting the feds off Marco's back and some even shadier cherry pie recipes. <laughs> Superb. Wow. Gripping stuff. I mean, it goes to show you can you can guess at things from the outside, but you just never know. But mm. it, sounds like a, it sounds like a real kind of glimpse, you know, glimpse behind the scenes. Uh, maybe explains those long absences that Marco had. Mm. Uh, the dip in performances, you know, he had a lot on his plate. So I, I think at the very least, people are going to be able to sympathise after uh, after watching this. It's not. It's based on true events, isn't it? It's not um, inspired by stories rather than based on. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, which gives them a lot of scope to just make up nonsense that didn't happen, but um, makes for a much more compelling and exciting TV drama. So brilliant stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the next thing that we do, Luke, I don't know if you've heard this show before, but we um, breaking hoo-hoos. We talk about the events that have happened in the week that relate to Sheffield Wednesday Footballing Club. So yeah, we had this sort of half-baked rumor, maybe maybe a mistimed rumor that we we were showing some interest or had shown some interest in uh, Aussie midfielder Jackson Irvin, formerly of Hull. Um, do you think that was well? First off, Luke, what 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 was your initial thoughts on on sort of hearing the rumor bubble up? And then, do you also do you feel it has been successfully quashed by by Koi Gaz? Um, I'm really confused by this one. Not by the nature of who it is and his credentials, because I think he's a player that I would have liked in previous years. I don't know enough about who he is as a player right now and where it, where he's at. Um, but definitely on paper, Jackson Irvin is a player who I wasn't surprised to see that he lost hold because we're in this weird world where you drop down to the third tier and because of the FFP standards, 
Yeah. There are players who used to be earning kind of three, four times at least that amount suddenly have to go down to two and a half thousand a week. So it it's scary because I, I don't know. It, it, that's a big... It's looking right now like there's a big gap between... There's a big gap between the Premiership and the Championship. It looks like there's a big gap between the Championship and League One. Well, in our in our predictions for the season, we actually talked a bit about the fact that that gap has never really felt bigger uh, in terms of mm. those clubs. And that that's before we had this... The, the the wage cap the salary cap coming in and yeah that's only going to exacerbate the problem surely mm-hmm. um and jackson Irvin, yeah someone who was a bit of a showpiece signing uh when he was brought in from um oh burton albion that's the one i was like the brewers i know they're called the brewers sometimes they're called the bees there's nigel clough and then yeah now burton albion is the team that you're right absolutely right uh i mean uh, I was I would quite like another body in there. I, I think mm. Jackson Irvin wouldn't be a bad signing for us to mm-hmm. make. Um, unfortunately, we know how important and how good Massimo Luongo is, but we're now. I know he's never had these issues before, but we're now to into a second season where he's having some injury problems, and mm. he's such an important integral part of our team. We don't have anybody that replace can replace him sufficiently at this point in time. I don't know that Jackson Irvin is an, is an exact like for like, but he's got some of the same credentials in that he, first and foremost, I think if he was given his own, if he was picking the team, he'd probably put himself as an attacking midfielder or somebody kind of involved in kind of breaking into the box late. But he's good enough and strong enough to as a defender to play as a deep lying sort of defensive midfield type role, which that's sort of where Longo sits as well. Luongo sits as well. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his, I think we've, he relishes the t- tackling and certainly can do that job for the team. But I think he also probably sees himself more as an attacking midfielder than, than a holding a defensive midfielder. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, an intriguing link. And I, I suppose it's a good, it's a, handy reminder that there is a free transfer sort of pool out there mm. um although the longer you go on the longer those players haven't had a club and um the further off being you know catching up and being fully fit they are uh but it yeah it's just a, as i say a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a nudge in that direction i did look at one of the sky sports had put together like a free agent team and i don't, to be honest I think like nine out of or ten out of the eleven you wouldn't touch with a barge pole because they're just permanently injured or too old. Mm. <laughs> but but Jackson Irvin, I think, is still young enough to to have some, uh, yeah have have some value in in bringing him on board. I get a bit nervous, and I mean this is interesting because we've had we've had players come in. We can get onto this later as well. We've had Flint come in, who's basically played <laughs> two hundred and seventy minutes of football in very quick succession. Yeah, um, we've had Patterson, who's not played 100 percent of 270 minutes, but I don't know what 230, 240 He's minutes. He's come in and immediately played a lot of football, though. Yeah, yeah. So we're asking that because we have players who seemingly don't have that themselves. So I don't know. I mean, we're naturally kind of conditioned to think, oh well, he's come in, he hasn't had, a, he hasn't played anything else, so oh, he's going to be so rusty. Like I don't know. We we seem yeah. to be saying this a lot with a lot of the players who are missing. Like, you know, we still, Gary Monk came out and said that, you know, Shea Dunkley, oh, we always imagined that he'd be ready for the second, after the second international break. 
so you've signed a player who basically is not going to play for three months. And uh, it's precisely where we're struggling. <laughs> um, mm. Because that's yeah. undoubtedly it's taking up a squad place. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that seems like such an odd decision that I know we've, you know, there's obviously clear facets to having him around as a personality, but to sign someone on a one-year deal who misses probably more than a quarter of the year just seems baffling. What for you're talking about Shay Dunkley? Yeah. Well, we've also probably gone for a two-year deal, haven't we? Is it a two-year deal? I was under the impression it was two-year, I mean, but nothing's ever hugely put out in those regards these days. That makes more sense if it's a two-year deal, but I, 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 yeah, for some reason I thought it was a... So anyway, we're talking about Jackson Irvin, aren't we? But So the thing I'm confused about is the whole, oh, well, he was interested in signing. We did talk to him, but then he didn't want to sign because of the points deduction. Yeah. So a, by you, the way, it is a two-year deal. So just a, a two-year deal for Dunkley. Yeah. So I don't know. Is this is this something that happened a while back, and then now it's come out? Is this coming out for different reasons? Is this to is this his agent putting this out into into you know into the media to try and get some attention from people? Yeah, uh, I suppose I hadn't really thought of that that angle. I'm just, I'm very confused by the timing of what it is. And then if he doesn't want to be on board for a team, I imagine there are players who don't want to do that. You know, I mean, and the interview midweek, you know, before this game, you know, Jack Marriott was on media. He was talking about how, you know, he said, oh yeah, there could be players. There are definitely players who would look at Wednesday's situation and be like, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to play there because of that situation that they're in. But he said that he doesn't really have that. And he just has the attitude of playing football. Um, Maybe Jackson Irvin was initially like, yeah, I don't want to be into that, but maybe now he is. I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. I'm sure there are a lot of... The way that agents work with players now and butter them up and things like that, I'm sure there's a lot of players who have a very unrealistic mm. view of where they sit in the... Right. In the, you know, the in, in the sort of scale of things um, but it's, it and you could rashly like, make a decision thinking there's going to be lots of options coming and then obviously nothing happens and you're like yes. well actually playing for that team with minus 12 points is better than not playing for anybody yeah <clears throat> yeah well so it makes me think about someone in that situation well i would also think that i mean everybody needs to work to a certain degree mm-hmm. but i but i also think as a football player you need to you know it's it's not like being a it's not like being a woman who's had children and then looked after the children for two years and then comes back into no. the workforce. You know, it's, I can't really apply a, a lens of looking at this as a civilian. You can't say, well, it was a tough time. It was COVID. So, you know, I was, um, you know, doing stuff in the garden or I was working, you know, volunteering or, you know, you need playing for your sake of fitness and for your future career. There are very few players who've missed a, a season and then come back to it to any great degree. Yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, definitely. And there, there's plenty of players. It happens every year. Players that just drop off the face of the earth. Yeah. What's uh, what's have we ever heard any updates about? Uh, you know, Ben Tan, Ben Marshall. Yeah, he signed for the pub league team, didn't he? But then I, yeah, for... I haven't heard anything since. No, but I I don't know if that was a kind of real come and get me. That was you know, there's a little bit of media and PR in that, right? For, a, for what he a did, very little also. bit, yes. But also oh. maybe a little bit like I don't know. I mean, does any of this ever make a football team think? Oh, you know, it, like uh, now I'm paying attention to this, or I forgot about you as a football player. You know, because that seems stupid to think about. It's a bit like also the mentality of like 
you know, maybe Koi Gaz should fire up football manager and see who he can get on the free agent market. You know, because you think, yeah, you should have better intelligence than this, surely, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Well, it's I mean, strange. we did spot in that on the Tottenham documentary that they had football manager installed. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> so a that is as sophisticated as it gets. And they're a, you know, Premier League disappointing outfit. Well, you know, who knows what's going to happen. The Premier League is nutty this season. It's nutty nutty in a way that True. hasn't been for a long time. So um, anyway, Jackson, Jackson Irvin, if it Jackson was Irvin. real, if it was real, if we could work something out. But it, it feels a bit like when that came up, I know like Alan Biggs was saying this, like it feels like uh, the owner, Chancery, has done a lot to support Gary Monk as much as possible. Yeah within the kind of confines and restraints. I, I think it'd be nice. Maybe it could be good for a short-term deal, you know? Maybe well, maybe something till January. I don't know. I mean, this is all complete conjecture. You know, if he was fit, if he was raring to go, you know, it's funny, I was reading an interview with Jack Wilshire. He was talking about, yeah, I've been training down the park. And it's like, yeah, yeah but what's, what's, <laughs> what's that so going to we'll, do for anybody? <laughs> Wilshire is one of the Sky Sports free agent 11. Mm-hmm. It's Nyland from uh, Villa, Valencia, Antonio Valencia, um, Ashley Williams, Simon Francis. Is it Simon Francis? Yeah, Simon Francis, Gail Clichy, Wiltshire, Andy King, Nasri, Daniel Sturridge, Mario Balotelli, and Mario Mandzukic. Mm. Wouldn't have any of them. Give me Jordan no. Rhodes any day. Um, <laughs> do you think we've... Delayed the inevitable enough, and do we have to talk about Sheffield Wednesday versus Brentford now, Luke? I think we do. I think I'd rather spend uh, more time in the company of Cockney Ridge. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe Cockney Ridge rule. It's just, um, just an emotional sort of, uh, you know, comfort blanket. Is just doing voices. Did we? Um, because sorry. Sheffield Wednesday have made me very sad. <laughs> I did listen to, we don't have to talk about it, um, but it was, to keep a bit of levity to proceedings, um, I was listening to the Owls of Merikest and they were talking about, they do kind of report round, they they do a little segment where they do reports from the Cyprus League or the Bulgarian League, depending oh, on nice. where okay, yeah. ex-Wednesday players have gone. So you, we did talk about this, the Sam Hutchinson red card. <laughs> And they made a point, and I, I don't want to copy what they do because that's that's their thing, and they do a fan, brilliant, fantastic job at it. We're, you know, we're a different podcast, but uh, just to remember that the the scream that the the player let out, who Hutchinson stamps, <laughs> yes. was something quite exceptional. Yes, it was. He um, he made the proverbial meal of it, but it mm. was. I think it happened after the podcast last week, actually. So I don't think we've we have had a chance to talk no, about. No, no, it's, it's, it's within our uh, window for talking about. No, yeah, but uh, yeah. So, uh, well, we t- we tweeted out just hilariously on brand for him to just be <laughs> murking no name midfielders in Cyprus now, mm-hmm. getting picking up three ma- three match bans left and right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I guess midweek was. Uh, the uh, game against Bradford. It happened. It did. It was a thing. Uh, Sky rocked up with their uh, cameras. Which Didn't meant it? that I got to watch in glorious ultra HD. Ooh. I could see the individual strands of Aidan Flint's Alice Band. It was uh, it was something else. <laughs> 
So, Rich, you had a real high quality to proceedings. Um, so this would have been on DAZN here in Canada. Uh, for some reason, DAZN decided to not show any of the game at all, despite the fact they had rights to it, and, uh, you know, just cover some of the Champions League instead. So, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was really confused. I had to find one of the grotty streams. So now, you know, now I'm hated on by both the football club and different gravy podcasts because, you know, obviously <laughs> last week we decided with the club. Um, so I had, I, I think my eyes are working quite well, Rich. Um but, you know, I was, I was watching the stream and, you know, I had to kind of, if I was wearing glasses, I'd have to take them off and give them a polish to make sure I was watching the right thing. Because I was thought I was watching a football stream of Sheffield Wednesday against Brentford and um, not uh, Ivan Tony getting a tongue bath from the Sky Sports commentary. <laughs> I mean, it was a grotty stream. So, I mean, you know, but I, I didn't think uh, BBC was in the title. You know, I thought this was Sky Sports. <laughs> Um, yes, I, I'm, I'm not going to follow you down that particular <laughs> tawdry path, but it, would you go along with me in saying that this was a team sheet that had an immediate heart sink with it when, when you saw the lineup? I, I don't know. I, I didn't. It took me a while to clock, to be honest, that Luongo was missing. That action mass was traction mass, mm. you know. Is um, his much less glamorous alter ego? I suppose on the so, to, to, on the positive side of things, it was a it was a a forward thinking team that was put out. Uh, uh, maybe maybe hubris, hubristically. Um, you believe the words that are coming out of your mouth right now, Rich? Uh, no, I well I, I do believe it was a positive team. I think it was like sure. designed to be too many attacking options and it would kind of mm. distract from the fact that we just had no you know the emperor had no clothes on you know it was mm. just to be so flamboyant with our attacking options putting all of our meat upon the fire that you wouldn't notice mm. that uh, there was nothing left left in the larder at home um that's not really how it worked out though was it um <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how much we want to go into because the the danger today is that we do just spend the whole time at, at different pitches of sighing because um, it, you, there's no way to dress up the fact this is two, this is two defeats in a week. It's two defeats in a week where we were fairly positive going into the week. We had all this mm-hmm. talk about this is the week we're going to get out of the mm-hmm. points deduction. We're going to get we're going to be we're going to hit hit naught points that's the plan that's the been the aim all along and we're on track to do it uh <laughs> I, I think like every game we sort of started fairly well i think we started most games this season fairly brightly mm-hmm. uh, but we were we were one nil down seven minutes in there's no dressing that up really it was yeah. uh, <laughs> there's been lots of debate uh i've seen there's a particularly long-ish thread on al's talk uh about about Dawson's save and uh, we've t- maybe I'm sort of the most guilty culprit in this but oh, Dawson worries me I don't think he's good enough to be our first choice goalkeeper mm. um and in particular what I <clears throat> what seems to be a trait that's you know baked into his game is <clears throat> that you will if you get a shot on target he generally will palm it into 
a useful space for the opposition. Mm-hmm. And it's, we've had games this season where it's, it's not bitters on the bum, but generally it's been because Harris or somebody else has swept up very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that goal was, let's be honest, a pretty tame effort from distance. It should have been meat and potatoes, bread and butter sort of save. I'm not even sure it was on target. And it's palmed straight back out and Tony finished up very easily. Uh, we found out after the game, it's actually something that they'd been, that their coaches had spotted, they'd been told to do basically was shoot from distance and then Tony would get the follow up. <laughs> There's a side. That's one side. There's a side. Put it on the, put it on the count. Yeah. But that is, to me, is worrying that teams, mm. it's not just a trait we're watching from watching every minute of every game as a Wednesday fan. It's something that is noticeable from the outside looking in and yeah. something that you can build into your game plan. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that to me is, it, it's a worrying sort of sign. It sort of reminds me of when Tommy Spur kind of began to sink from the first team picture. And it just felt like every team was saying, play it down the left because he'll, he doesn't head it out properly. And, you know, <laughs> whether it's real or not, all the extra pressure. <laughs> sort of means more of those mistakes start happening. Mm-hmm. And if we see teams taking pot shots from distance, I mean, maybe maybe Dawson gets better at it, but we've not seen huge improvements. And so, it feels like he's going to give up those chances. Yeah, but that's that's also a similar thing to what you've said. Is It's a, it's a, it's a long period of being young, isn't it? Yes. <clears throat> Do you know, the other thing is that compounds it. He's sort of, some goalkeepers, and I think, we probably won't talk about him too much in this context, but I think Westwood was one of these goalkeepers. Mm. You dive and then you're awake and you're alive and you're trying to see what's happening and you you sort of bounce back up very quick. Mm. Dawson, it's like he falls like a tree and then just lies there. Like you could get away with being bouncing the ball straight out if you popped back up and you were ready for the second chance because it's like, oh, yeah, I know I... I know I've got this sort of trait where I, I sometimes palm the ball out. So what you know what I've done is I kind of built my skills around the fact that this is going to happen, mm-hmm. and I'm really good at jumping back up and making that second save. Yeah, but he he never seems to make the second save. He always seems mm-hmm. to be sort of la- like floundering on the ground when these second and sometimes three third chances happen. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just. Yeah, it just was very disheartening. Uh, I thought we regained our composure pretty well, considering this was a team that we, you know, in very recent memory, we've been absolutely battered by. I thought we did pull ourselves to, together fairly well. Um, Reach had a decent chance there, um, but and and we got a we got we equalised. We pulled ourselves back into the game. Mm-hmm. Nice ball ball from Bannon over the top of uh, the the other player that was coming in for a lot of. Uh, tongue bathing was Rico Henry and uh. they didn't mention at all the fact that he did a crap header out and then didn't get back quick enough which let Harris into the space to, to set up the goal they didn't well, of course not Rich because I mean, I mean yeah I mean you know every football game that's covered on Sky has to have a narrative right and we need to know yes. who the heroes and who the villains are so you know much like a much like a trite 80s action film we need to know who to vie for and that was very much Brentford right Exactly, and and I think the a constant narrative from Sky is that X player is too good for the 
championship and yes. the game is then spent talking about why on earth are they still in the championship and and today or well, not today but on on, on uh, Wednesday that was Rico Henry because he's got the lot he's got everything oh he's got pace he's got this that and the other but he made a huge I mean it was, it was a succession of mistakes that let us get get in and get the goal it was a very well uh, it was a very good cross from Harris a very mm-hmm. well taken header by Patterson and it meant we were when we were back in the game which is good um Unfortunately, didn't last that long, and we really, really saw the down, you know, the the downside of Odebajo as centre back in that he was marking the top scorer in the league on a corner, yeah. yeah, and they were completely isolated. There was nobody anywhere near them, so we were doing man for man at the corner, and I don't know whether we'd convinced ourselves that they are so because cl- Sky were so ready for a really clever corner. Mm. Whether we've convinced ourselves they're so oh they're so inventive from court oh Brentford oh wait till you see the corners that Brentford do yeah oh they they've, they've reinvented the corner <laughs> <laughs> it's round now it's smooth you think you it's know not corners. edgy and sharp yeah you think you know corners but you haven't seen a Brentford corner and until you've seen a Brentford corner you've not seen it. Uh, but it turns out they just popped it in the box for their striker and he took a really easy header and if he hadn't got the header and scored from it it could have easily been a penalty because the way that Adebayo defends one-on-one mm. is he grabs a hold of you and humps your leg like a little dog greeting you know overzealously greeting a guest to the house <laughs> he is handsy he's so handsy um mm. we made changes at half time that kind of we took, essentially, we just took Hunt, Hunt out, who looked completely overwhelmed and, and out of place, uh, dropped Pelopessi in, and, and that gave us a, a modicum of control over the game. And I think we had sort of 20 good minutes uh, at the start of the second half. Didn't really make any chances from it, but it, it was nice to kind of, you know, feel that control and have that control. Um, and then they sort of just took completely took the fizz out of the game and just kind of managed it till the end it felt like um they had enough pace on the break to keep us from feeling comfortable committing men forward um and enough quality around the back to just kind of keep passing the ball around and having us chasing our tails mm-hmm. but so uh, my read of the game coming fr- coming off the back of it was i suppose re- a reasonably positive one because i thought i thought we'd done o- we'd done okay mm-hmm against a pretty good-looking side, and obviously a very fancied side. They're, they're, they're a kind of universal pick for promotion places or, or at the very least, playoff yes. places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they look every bit that, you know, the, the question every year with Brentford is, can they replace the players that they sell on for £20, £30 million? Pounds? And it looks like in Tony, they've got a ready-made replacement for all the goals and effort that Watkins brought. Um, and, t- and Tony himself could have probably had another couple of goals against us in that first half. Um, so, I th- yeah, I thought broadly we'd done OK, but it's j- it's just such a shame to feel that injuries are already tell- you know, playing a big part in the story of the season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we barely got started. I know. Um, any other thoughts on the game uh, before we sort of no, move on? I, I think it, the positive that, you know, we made a much better fist of it you know against Brentford like you've said just that same you know it, it's it's uh it feels a world away 
because that was you know our, one of our, that was our last game before lockdown that was our last game with crowds was yeah you know brentford just uh tearing the meat off us and picking all over our carcass yes pretty much like we were some some turkey at thanksgiving you know <laughs> yes you know already um, lining already lining up the sandwiches for tomorrow from the event of uh <laughs> carving us open but um you know that was a positive i thought it was okay i felt i don't know it, maybe to link the two games together and i'm sorry i don't want to spoil and get into what we're talking about for no. today's game against luton too much but it feels like the players feel tired at the prospect of seven games in three weeks yes i feel like they're saving their energy for i don't know when certainly not this game <laughs> no. you know but i i felt there was some work rate against brentford but clearly it was not i know it's difficult it's they're a tough you know they're a very very good side brentford but i felt some of the industry was lacking that we've been seeing recently you, and definitely against birmingham i also felt unfortunately that it was a bit of a return to a trait of last season that we we seem to play to the level of the opposition. Yes, we very much do. And playing a good team, we upped our game. Uh, we we still got beat by them and, and fairly comfortably, to be honest. You know, we didn't really lay a glove on them in mm. kind of, you know, boxing parlance. Uh, but, we, but we hung with them and they're a good team. And then today, we played an absolute dog of a team in Luton. I mean, mm. really... Luton should be relegated, probably will be one of the teams around the relegation zone, and they looked every bit that sort of a team. Maybe they've got one, one and a half sort of quality players, but they're they're that's a League One side lacking mm. in lots of quality, not not lacking for effort, endeavour, no strength, but mm. really a poor side to be mm. to be fair. And we looked just as bad as them today. Not, not to yeah. kind of t- talk over all the the sort of the the specific talking points from the game, but that's what it felt like. Was we ended up playing to their level, and that's what we've done midweek as well. If we played like we did, it's a it's a Wednesday adage, isn't it? Ooh, we won't go down if we keep, if we play, keep playing like that. Like that, but yeah. we'll play worse and win. Blah blah blah. Right. It was one of those. If we played like we did against Brentford, against Luton, we would have overwhelmed them. But we didn't. We played like we did against Luton, against Luton, and we played like we did against Bradford, against Bradford. Um, I felt we played quite well against QPR. I felt we played quite well against Birmingham. And I'm going to be honest, I mean, I, I think Luton are a bad side for the yeah. championship standard. They're definitely in the lower tier of what we're looking at, you know, in, in terms of teams in this division. Um, you know, despite that, I want to say that... You know, like Birmingham and QPR aren't that much better. They're pretty no. average, tedious sides. So, you know, we got four points off that, which I think is what I'd kind of expect. I mean, it's disappointing we didn't get six. Um, but that's really thanks to kind of what happened at QPR. But they were good performances. Yeah. So we can be possible. I completely agree with your sentiment, and I've seen it happen numerous times over the past kind of three, four seasons of watching Wednesday. It seems to be a trait we slipped into. but we can perform better against bad sides. Well, I think we had enough. We're sort of doing the kind of um, the post-game dissection bit early, but that's fine. Uh, I think still today, when we when we showed any glimmer of quality, they couldn't hang with us. If we if we when we strung two three passes together in a quick succession and had a bit of movement, 
we made things happen, but yeah. it was just so rare. And uh, mm. um, how many passes we just played straight out of play today, or I know. six feet in front of a man who's on his heels. I know. I know. Oh. But that's. But I mean, this is how it should work. You know, I mean, we have. <laughs> We're a team that's beleaguered and caused issues for ourselves. We're a squad. We're a football club that's done this to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we've never picked the way to the easy way to success. No. We found ways to continually shoot ourselves in the foot. We've got this giant, you know, thing around our neck of this points deduction, which we didn't lay a glove on changing that minus four dial today over the past no. two games. No. Which I really expected that we'd win one of these two. I, I, I weirdly thought I was going to say, like, I expect us to beat Luton. I think we'll lose against Bre- Brentford. Yeah. But I wouldn't I was surprised if it was the way around. You know, that could have genuinely happened as well. You know, I didn't think in any respects that we would lose both these games. No. So I'm sorely and bitterly disappointed because of that. I've lost where I'm going, Rich. I'm sorry. That's okay. But uh, I think <laughs> it, it didn't feel outlandish. And when you know several fans have done mm. this to look at to take the Brentford game out of the way, but look at that that this run that starts with the Luton game, yeah, runs through to Rotherham and then Wickham. I think it wasn't crazy to think we should be looking at nine points from that. Yeah, and now it's a maximum of six. But the, given the performance, I mean, it's only four days before we play Rotherham. If we play as with the lack of intensity we played today against presumably a Rotherham team that are going to be right up for it. We're, we're going to get caught with our pants down again midweek. Mm-hmm. It's, um, but again, hopefully thing, we, we rise to that occasion and, and um, produce something that's a bit, a bit better than what, what happened today. So do do we want to kind of, I, I remembered the point that I lost okay. on oh, that's my Harry Maguire, Luke Ladol, Harry Maguire turning circle. Um, here, which basically, no, it's the fact that like we have higher aspirations than a club like Luton. We also have higher wage bills. We have better quality players yes. than Luton Town. We should be able to turn up and, you know, even if it's not the, the world's best performance that we put in, because it's a game against Luton Town, I yeah, don't think, yeah. A, it's going to make our players rise and B, it's going to inspire them to, you know, to put in you know, one of the best performances of the season. You know, I don't think that's going to happen with the greatest respect, but we should still have enough quality from the players who were there on the pitch to produce enough quality moments. And we saw none of that today. But let's, we're in a relegation battle. We're in a relegation battle until we're not, you know, that's what this season is. And part of the thing, the salve that you give to yourself as a team like, like Wednesday in that relegation battle is, we don't need to be the best team in the league. We just need to be better than four, five, six teams. Mm. But that means you go and put teams like Luton, Luton, to Luton at home. Yeah. Again, saying this whole thing about at home, which doesn't seem to make any difference. Like it's it's something. It's huge. Like there's no there's no benefit of playing at home anymore. There's no benefit of playing at home because there's no fans, but there's no benefit mentally to these players of playing at home. It's one win in 16. Yeah, particularly for Wednesday, it's it's the opposite. We'd rather play more teams, more home, more games away. Mm. Um, it seems to be something about upping the stakes and bringing that industry. I think that the reason that today, for me, was so disheartening and disappointing was, you know, Gary Monk promised us 
a team we could be proud of, a team that's going to go out there and give their all. And I, I think I probably honestly could have held my hand up for every game so far this season and said, yeah, do you know, this is a tough spot we're all in. The, the squad is what it is, but they're doing what they're doing. They're giving their all. They're doing what they can. Today was the first game where I sort of thought like, do you know if half of you had turned up, we would have easily won today. Mm. That It's the first time it felt like another turgid kind of second half of last season type performance. I don't, I'm not somebody that's deluded enough to think we deserve to win every game of football we play, but I do expect a team that tries hard Mm. and I don't know that we got that today. And I think that's the first time I I would probably be able to say that this season. Um, And it's just a bit sad that it's only taken seven games to get back to, yeah, a pretty shoddy, low on quality, but low on low on effort and low on drive, low on determination uh, type performance that we were just seeing routinely towards the end of last season. Yeah. Um, although, oh, well, we, there's there's mitigating factors, so let's let's talk about the game. Let's try and be a bit more um, <laughs> structured in things. So the the team was pretty much the team that played Brentford, but Kachunga came in for Windas. And Pelupesi, the pest dispenser, started instead of Hunt this time round. Uh, so it, it, it meant that Adebayo was still part of the back three. Um, and I think the only other twist on that that team from midweek was that Harrison Reach had sort of swapped wing back positions. So the start mm. of the team, Reach was playing uh, playing on the right hand side and uh, Harris on the left. So they're sort of inside out. To begin with, um, <laughs> what did you make of the? I mean, effectively, we within a minute, uh, Flint had to head the ball off our goal line. What did you make of that sort of patch of <laughs> play? Well, it's funny actually. I missed it actually when it was happening. I was getting my kind of stream up and running, and you know, doing all the setup to get it into my Chromebook. I hooked up to my projector, so I was trying to kind of get it onto full screen and uh, struggling to see my mouse cursor mouse cursor so i but actually you know i only heard the commentary of what had happened right but then i went back and then they replayed it i, I think a few times so i saw um staggering that we were cut open so easily yeah um the one real kudos i'm going to give is i thought that was really great work from aiden flint definitely to, you know, to track the player, then to drop off and to see that Dawson was going for it and get himself into that position to make that header. Yeah. That was really fantastic to see him save us in that situation. But it's, yeah, a really, a really dangerous warning sign for us. Yeah, right from, right from the off. <laughs> right from the go, yeah. Um, it, it, this weirdly felt like playing... Wednesday from some other games this season, you know, where the team with the 30% possession just looked like scoring every single time they had the ball because we, we were largely sort of in control, particularly with possession, we were in control, but the best chances kept coming to Luton and it, and it felt like we were just, to me, it felt like we were just kind of getting out of jail again and again. Um, because we had we had one decent chance, which was Harris uh, crossing for Patterson, but Patterson had a lot to do with that header. It was sort of past the far post and didn't have any mm. pace 
it. But, you know, it, it was the sort of thing Fletcher probably nods into the top corner because he's weirdly good at strange headers. Um, it was a bit too much for Patterson to do. But then the next minute, we had arguably <laughs> an even more important header uh, where Dawson came out outside of his box to head the ball away after the defence had kind of fallen asleep and there was a good pass through the middle of them all. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, we did, again, we had lots of the ball, didn't make much of it. Uh, and then the 24th minute and Panzu had a one-on-one with Dawson after some scrappy, terrible defending. Uh, somehow he put that wide. He didn't even hit the target with it, which was a, another let off for us. Um, it felt to me a little bit like a bad game of basketball. Like both teams were in such a rush to get forward every time they got the ball. There was very little quality, but lots of kind of incident. There wasn't much football happening. Mm-hmm. Um well, I mean, I haven't made that many notes from the first half other than those those ones that we've touched on there. Did you have anything? Um, <clears throat> I want to give a bit of kudos to Dawson. I thought that was some good bravery was really from good, him. Yeah. So I, I guess some respect for me from that. Uh, the 13th minute, they had that free king that was that was whipped in for Luton. It was headed out and it bobbed oh, yeah. out to Lockyer. And that felt like a let off. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Uh, that strike that he sort of half wide. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I also thought it was a real let off at the 23rd minute that miss from the was that the guy who scored was it M- Mupanza? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was an absolute giant let off. Like what a what a horrendous miss that was from him. Yeah, yeah. To not even hit the target with that was pretty pretty poor. It's got to be said. Yeah, and I, I guess out of other incidents, um, my general comments. Every game that we comment on in lockdown is largely a massive anti-events. Is that the football or the lack of crowds? You know, it, I just feel so much about this so underwhelming. Like, There's a lack of significance to things, isn't there, I think? Very much so, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny because, I mean, we ultimately watch football for entertainment, but it's, it's not good entertainment. But it's hard. I think it's hard for a thing not to feel... I don't know. It, it, why do sports happen? Obviously, there's the competition, but I, I think all sports, but it, but football in particular, is about that kind of tribalism and mm. you know there's been there's been lots of kind of lofty uh, but I mean we, on these sort of things. But you yeah. remove the tr- you remove any of that feel, then then it, I think it does feel more trite and less important. I think it's just a natural thing. And at mm. best, you you're, you have wonderful moments and you think it would have been so fantastic if a crowd was here to witness it. And at mm. worst, it's what it was today, which is two bad teams playing a terrible match of football. And it's like, well, what was the point in it? We could have drawn straws or something and it would have been probably a bit more edifying for everybody (laughs) i mean we we like any fans have our own kind of weird butterfly effect of you know effect on things that you know it adds to the general kind of positivity and negativity and and how that kind of has i know like it it seemed midweek izzy brown was making a point on his twitter that he didn't seem to get the meltdown that kind of happened after brentford which i don't think the really was a meltdown. I think I've seen plenty of Sheffield Wednesday fan meltdowns. Too many to kind of think about. And uh, kind of today is a meltdown. Today is a bit of a fan meltdown. And I didn't kind of look to engage with it 
Um, so the thing I'm trying to say is we all have our own effect and we all have a way of doing this. Yeah. And yet the really sad thing is that like it's it'd be really good to see fans at the games, but I don't know how much benefit it's going to do Sheffield Wednesday. Mm, it's, uh, I don't so... know. I I really don't. I'd love to think that it would make some difference in some moments. That would. Well, Monk hopefully... has talked about. He feels that he feels the lack of fans at those turning point moments, those pivot moments in games. Mm. Um, so he talked about after the Brentford game, us coming out and playing so well for those twenty minutes, we would have built a momentum with the crowd. You know, yes. the crowd would have been right behind us, and and I think yeah. it adds to if they were feeling a little bit shaky or a bit put upon, it it adds to that feel, and I can definitely see that. It's funny. I mean, I suppose it's his job in a way, but he only ever really mentions the positive aspects of having fans back. And we know at Hillsborough, fans can be as as much of a hindrance as a help at times. Yeah, uh, but but I suppose that, I mean, that can be the case in lots, you know, in, in every ground really uh, to to an extent. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know why there couldn't be just some people in the ground. This is. I know there's now so we've got level three, level four, level you know level eighteen, level forty two. You know it's um, <laughs> whatever is going on, it's all bad. It's, it's bad, bad, worse, or the worstest. Um, but that stadium holds forty, nearly forty thousand people, and it could probably hold ten without any of them bumping into each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're being really cautious, it could hold five or six. Uh, it w- That surely would make things a bit more fun. I don't know. I don't know. It seems really I odd. I, I think the just... hang in this country of, you know, this is, well, we shouldn't get, I shouldn't be saying this or getting into this, but it's a, it's a government <laughs> that when, you know, the previous time they were in power for a long period of time, um, they treated football fans like animals and mm. that even though there's been some vague comeuppance for that it feels like that you know those those um traits and thoughts and feelings are still very very present and it's you know football fans can't be trusted seems to be a kind of a broad approach to things um I'm, cu- I'm cautiously picking my way through several issues here, Luke, in my head. Um, so I'm going mm. to sort of ditch this. Um, we swapped the wingbacks round at half-time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my other comments, I'll just, I'm just going to run through these pretty quickly just before we get going in the second half. Uh, yeah. Luton dominant past the first 10 minutes. I thought that first 10 minutes, actually, outside of that first chance, that, that was our period. But then Luton were just so dominant after that. I, uh, Bannon's balls. Not been up to scratch today uh, from the first half. That was a big thing with the Brentford game as well, really. Bannon, in, Bannon, uh, you know, front and foremost in it. But I thought, I think Harris and Reach at times as well. Um, quality of passing, pace and depth of passing, and mm-hmm. um, and then the cro- the crossing just. <clears throat> The Brentford game, Harris just had so much of the ball. It's amazing that in a kind of, you know, infinite number of monkeys with typewriters sort of way, it's mm. amazing that he didn't pull a Hamlet out somehow because it just felt like 
he had so much of possession that something good had to come up. Sure. Of. Well, but also, you, you need to remember goal. Harris had an assist. Yeah. Exactly. I suppose they had oh, a the so. doors. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that he then had two infinities worth of the ball in the second half doesn't seem to matter. But um, the other stuff from the first half, Rich. Yeah, go on. Off, uh, who are these championship behemoths that we've unearthed at Luton? Mm. Why does why does Hilton look like some talismatic line leader? Why does he look like Edin Dzeko? Like, he's a crap lower league footballer. I know. And we made him look like some fucking will-beater today. And who we was the look- Lee? I couldn't believe Lee. that. Much. Lee, Lee just sailed past players like they weren't there. He could pick passes. Garbage. So, really poor half. Very disappointing. We were so fortunate to be level. And, you know, I made the comment, what, a, what an absolute idiot I am, Rich. Here's the thing. You know, you think you expect good things of Wednesday and they make you look so embarrassed. They make you look so foolish yeah. that, that you thought that they could be good. And I said much better performance needed from the second half. Oh, dear. Well, we swapped the wing backs. Mm-hmm. I know we, we talked about I, I talked about this with my oldest brother. Um, shout out to my oldest brother, Andy, who I, I mean, I'm a poor bastard for subscribing, you know, giving such huge money to the football club but you know could be even worse i could live in the uk and pay even more <laughs> and then i could be with you and still waiting on a season ticket refund i guess as well yeah. you know, things like that so anyway that poor that poor bugger of my brother paid 10 pounds yeah. to watch the game so we talked a yeah. bit about this and it was weird because I, I felt that harris did okay on the left wing you know he was he was quite good um but reach was abysmal on the right we yeah. we could have just put anybody else there. Reach may have just played centre back, and we could have put Adebayo there. That would be better, I think. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, undoubtedly, Reach is the best crosser of the ball at the football club. That's without challenge, I think. Anyway, mm. so I just don't. I don't see. I know Harris likes playing on the left, but he's right-footed, and he got his assists midweek with his right foot. He can play right right wing fine, um, but reach. It just feels like why you want your best crosser of the ball in a, in the position where he's going to naturally get the opportunity to cross the ball. Mm. I don't know. I don't know because there was just so much. So much wrong today because I don't. I we've now had two hours plus of football from um, Marriott, and I don't know what he's for at this. No, stage. no. But I, I think therein, I think therein lies the problem. I don't know if you want to talk about this at the end of the podcast when we go to player ratings. Well, I don't have, to, I, I don't have loads to talk about in the second half. To be honest, I mean, if I, I, I've got so Flint, um, Flint, Flint scored which was ruled out. That was the 68th minute. Mm. Um, I think that was harsh. It didn't, I don't know what. No, I, I had no idea. More than you see in every box, every single set piece. Um, well, I've got a few more things to talk about. Yeah, I mean, one of the positives, I really enjoyed Flint uh, with that chance where he peeled off from his man to kind of swing the ball across. Yes. And Van Aken headed it. And um that was good, yes. That was good. I was like, a move satisfyingly, you know, more satisfying opportunity than it was in reality. Like, I think it was purely just Flint just running off the ball and then managing to swing through this really decent cross with his right foot, with his back to the ball, you know, with his back to the 
to the goal, essentially. Um, as well, I thought Van 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 Aken or Van Aken. Uh, I thought first half he was one of the bright glimmers uh, yeah. <laughs> because his his passes forward or humps forward, hoofs forward, whatever you want to, you know. Um, we we sort of talked about this last week, but he seemed to be able a couple of times he got it past the defenders and into a gap where Kachunga, Patterson. Marriott could chase in behind and, and potentially cause problems. They didn't cause any problems, but they were given at least given the opportunity a couple of times by uh, Van, Van, Van Aken. And, and I don't know that any other player managed to do that. Bannon and Harris played so many balls short from where they needed to be, which was yeah. very easy to defend. Sorry. I often feel another point I'm going to get onto here is I, I do feel... Like sometimes, Rich, I come up with points which make me feel very idiosyncratic, you know, very, very personalized, very Luke. And there's some things that kind of irritate me that I don't think resonate with you at all. And maybe not with the listener. Can I just say there's one moment I really want to highlight, which really pissed me off. And I think (laughs) makes a good beginning of the story about talking about the referee's performance today. Okay. So there was a ball which Luton played forward. Moses Odebarjo was having a tussle with Norrington Davis, who's a Luton player who's been on loan from the Pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say as well, good good work on that catchment area, Sheffield United, to get a player who looks as grotty but has such a posh-sounding surname as Norrington Davis. That really is something. I don't know where you found him from. I, I don't know how he maybe dropped out of Eton and then you just uh, a bit of a ruffian. And, um, you know, Chris Wilder pulled up with his bus and then got the kid on board or something. I don't know. Maybe that's his uh, origin story with this. So, Odebarjo shepherds it out for a goal kick. Norrinson Davis picks up the ball, runs away with it. Odebarjo flicks the ball, just pushed the ball out of his hands, catches the ball, yeah. throws it behind him. Norrinson Davis pushes him over. Nothing from the referee. Uh, that is a yellow card. It should be. Because it's it's an act of petulance. It's an act yeah, of, angry of course, petulance yeah. that you need to nip in the bud because it carries on. And there was nothing from the referee in that situation. No. And and then going on from this, this begins to start this kind of story. 59th minute, I had this moment where Ozada Bajo fouled, might have been Mapunzo, I think it was. Yeah. And and then they were like, Oh, the commentary team, um, it's nice to hear John Pearson and Rob O'Neill back. Yes. On, home duties and obviously we didn't get that midweek because on sky so we had to have um you know the audio the audio pornography that was going on uh by sports so i was like why was that a foul and then so i went back to the replay and i'm like half expecting to see that like odobajo clipped him so odobajo gets a yellow and commits a foul for something which there was nothing in it at all yeah yeah that was like we've somehow given away a dangerous free kick and got one of our players on a yellow just from nothing. It was, that was a ridiculous. Yeah, that was, that was completely ridiculous because the player just fell over. He just fell over. He lost yeah. Control it was, and threw himself to the ground. The ref was, was bad today. The referee was exceptionally poor today. It was an awful, 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 awful performance on the referee. Like seriously, this is relegation performance going down to the lower leagues from this performance. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. He was really, really bad. 
I haven't managed to, before we kind of got into this podcast, I haven't managed to reflect and um, see what Gary Monk has to say. I hope he's making some comments to the FA about this performance. It was bad. And so there we go. And then, so Patterson comes off an injury. Um, that Again, made my heart. looked that like my... fouled in the box, by the way. Much, much more of a foul on him in the box than was committed by Flint or anybody else when Flint scored. But go on, yeah. No, I, I think that's kind of going through with my notes. Um, you know, Patterson comes off, disappointing. Must have been injury. I would have taken Marriott off instead. I hoped Windass would do something. Then then that's taking me to the point in my notes, which I think you've come to, which is Flint scores. Yeah. But so I but I, I don't know where because I mean, so here's the thing that I will say. If it's a foul elsewhere in the box that a Wednesday player is committing it, that's fine. But Flint did not foul the player at all. No. It must have been a foul elsewhere because otherwise it's just undefensible. It's just a needlessly disallowed goal. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we come on to Van Aken as well. So another very, very poor uh, decision, in my opinion. I don't think that's a deserved red at all. I think it's late. Um, I think it's definitely a yellow. It's one of those where I think watching it back, I felt I was, had a, I was slightly more sympathetic with the referee, to be honest. Because I think what the ref thinks he's done is gone studs first at kind of crotch height, which I think is is a red more often than not. But when actually Van Aken is sort of pulling out of the tackle before he makes what he wants to do, is stop him. It's it's a it's a cynical yellow card sort of tackle that he wants to make. He's at the outlandish end of that, I think, which which gives the ref the op the opportunity and this ref yeah was never going to not not take it he seems to seem to govern Luton by a different set of rules to the ones that we we had to follow today i did i thought it was harsh it was soft but i, I also thought it wasn't like you know baffling or anything like that um i don't know i mean that's so you know i'm not a fan of top gear you know, but they had that piece which was star in a reasonably priced car. So the referee wanted to be the star in a reasonably disappointing championship game. <laughs> because nothing was happening up until that point, right? And then, so basically, we scramble, we try and get Burner sort of warmed up and ready to come on. But in that initial mm. period post sending off, they managed to score. Uh, I thought Panzu took his chance really well. I, I think... That was a really good, a really great finish, I want to say. It was very I thought it was a very good, very tidy finish. Uh, my other note for that is I was really heartbroken for Aiden Flint that he was yeah. megged in the finish. You know, Flint, who basically kept us in this game. One man defense. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. There's, he did a lot of mopping up today. He did. I don't know who did the offense. You know, who, who, who did the, who whittled on the floor. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, so, of uh, deja vu, Groundhog Day moments shared by the two matches in both games. The hail mary uh, last sub for Gary Monk was to bring on Jordan Rhodes. What What did you think of that, Luke? It's poor. It's a sign of a manager who's losing the plot. I, I'm not saying that in a regards to, I mean, I have popped onto Al's talk and I don't know. I didn't, I was maybe a little bit surprised to see some Gary Monk out threads on there, but I mean, I will be honest, like 
there's an interesting question. So if 4,000, 5,000 Wednesday fans go on to Al's talk um, after a performance like this, you know, there's definitely a percent. All you need is one person to start a thread that says Gary Monk out, really. Yeah. You know, we only need one person to do that to to, yes. uh, to start to start something and make something go ablaze. Um, but I think everybody, regardless of whether you stand on that, I think everybody is upset. I I get really frustrated with football managers who think we're losing. So the 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 mentality is to just throw more strikers at it. Yeah, you know, it's so poor. It it smacks of desperation. Like I don't know what we're doing. Um, we're throwing the kitchen sink at it, but the sink is made of balsa wood. That's my note. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think to be fair to John Rhodes today, he... <laughs> I'm trying to pitch this right. Um, he, he sort of was around things. Mm. He had that sort of... There was that cross or set piece that sort of landed with him when he was having a nice wrestle with his man. Really looked like he was excited for a cross that was going to be a bad cross, but he looked like up for it and excited. So that was better. that was more than he did against Brentford. You were like, that was something, wasn't it? Well, Brentford, he just ran and did his little T Rex hands. That was all he did against Brentford. Mm. But, but this time he ran nearer the ball and people. So it's an improvement. Uh, the final, well, for me, the final bad refereeing. Decision mm. was eighty-six minutes. Was it yes. perhaps? Was it perhaps penalty yes. shouts? I don't know how that's not a penalty. This is interesting. I maybe it's. I'm getting to the point of being resigned to everything that's going on. I didn't hundred percent think so. Harris has beaten him for pace. He had two hands on his arm, holding him back, and right, then I he must have, him. I genuinely must have missed that. He was so yeah. He, I think it's Harris's right arm was sort of outstretched, and the defender had had a hold of him with both hands, and then their legs came together. But the hands alone is makes it a penalty. But my to be honest though, my <laughs> my last comment on the game, my sort of roundup comment was that today there was it was a bad referee, but we didn't actually play well enough to feel unlucky. No, no, I, I put it disappointing. Know. Today could have felt like a robbery, but we we were lucky that it was only one nil. I know, I know, and I actually made note. My other point that's kind of similar to yours. I made in my notes, Rich. Actually, my last note was only four minutes, surely nine. Yes, yeah, because the times we've had to cling on <laughs> late. <laughs> surely that would come back around, right? But yeah. my note was basically: if we score, it's more than we deserve. Yeah, it would have been a real robbery had we got anything from this game today yeah um <laughs> yeah i it's interesting so i'm not i don't i don't want i'm not reactionary and feeling like oh monk out mm. but <laughs> however <laughs> it just it, the worry is how long can you stave off feeling monks the, the best thing going for monk is the first half of last season the worst thing going for Monk is the second half of last season. And, you know, you bring in new players, you have this new um, social media strategy, you have all this positive talk and things like that. And mm. all of that really is effectively going, this is different, actually. This is different to last year. Even though it was only six weeks ago, 
this is a different team, it's a different ethos. I, you know, that's a, that's essentially what you're hearing again and again. That's what you're being mm. told again and again. And I want to believe that. I think we all wanted to believe that. And, and to, an, to an extent, I was sort of so wrapped up in it that I, I almost felt emotional with some of the first performances. Like that Cardiff win, I was just like, yeah, this is what it's all about. We've got this team. They care. We're trying. Mm. Um, the, and then the Rochdale win was the same. Uh, but what is so disheartening is, you know, we're, what, 10 games into this season, seven league games, and today felt like last season. And if I'm honest, for the most part, midweek felt like last season. It could have been a game last, tail end of last season. And how many, we can't have too many of those. They've got the best possible opportunity because the, these next two games we should win as well. Uh, but the injury situation doesn't look like it's going to get massively better. No. If Palmer was anywhere near fit, surely you'd play him over Odebajo on that right-sided centre-back role. Um, mm. If Brown was anywhere near fit, surely he would have been on the bench today. Mm-hmm. So I just... Uh, it it's This is going to feel like such a huge missed opportunity if we get through these three games and don't have... We should be looking for six points now out of these next two. That's We need to. Well, we need at least four. Yeah, but we should have been there. You know, by, you know that that's the weird... It's a weird pressure thing to say, to come out and admit that this was the week that we had penciled in in mm. turn to be the week. It added a pressure to things, but it also added an expectation from the fans. And the club, the team have not met those expectations. So to set your own goal, not a particularly lofty one, to be honest, it's a draw against a, a good a good team and a win against a bad team. And to so fail so miserably, it's sort of made a rod for your own back. <sighs> anyway, should we, I don't mean, do you, uh, should we do player ratings now or, do you, or is there anything I else? I think so. Um, no, I, I think we've kind of said, uh, the thing I wanted to say was, <clears throat> the problem we've got right now, the problem we do, obviously, we are a Sheffield Wednesday podcast. We review what happens in the week. We are naturally knee-jerk. Yes. We can't, we don't have the benefit of being, you know, looking to our crystal ball and seeing things in the context to see, is this really terrible? Is this a swinging point? Is this just another game that we've lost? And we can afford to lose games. You know, we can afford to lose games. We just can't. It's just... We need to get these points on the board as quickly as possible. <clears throat> yeah. So, I don't know. I, I could really chalk up Brentford as a loss. Today, I can't. Today is is horrendously. Yeah. It was, but it's, it's, it's poor and it's also the nature of, and maybe this again is a thing where if you had fans, they'd be clamoring, but it was closer to being 2-0 to Luton than it was being 1-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really seem to develop to build up any head of steam. It wasn't like they were clinging on. Same with same with Brentford, actually. Um, you know, they will not have come away thinking, "Oh, thank goodness, we got we escaped with our three points," because we didn't make them work hard enough for it. And yeah. how how many teams, good or bad, managed to step it up another five, ten percent? in those dying moments to at least make a kind of fist of it. And that's what we just seem to have lacked is we don't, we don't have enough in the tank to do that. I don't know. That's what's, that's what's so 
it's the extra sort of seasoning on top of the the terrible terrible pie of of this yeah. week. Yeah. Um okay. Um <laughs> let's do this. Big Cam Cameron Dawson taking a real moment here to contemplate I mean, obviously, Rich, you'll edit this and it will seem like I'm being really sharp, but I, I, I'm genuinely just sitting here for a few seconds, you know, in my in my podcast closet, just staring, staring into this this uh, hoodie that I have hung up. Um, staring deep into the hoodie. Deep into the hoodie, looking at the fabric, looking at the seams. Cameron Dawson. Cameron Dawson, I will go with a 6.5. Okay. I, do. I thought he was fine. You know, I I felt that I don't know if he could have done any better with the goal. That's one thing we never looked at from that. But, I mean, it was a really, really good finish. Everything else seemed okay from him. Um, And that that header was brave, decisive, and undoubtedly stopped a chance developing. Uh, That was that was really good goalkeeping. It was good proactive goalkeeping, which he doesn't do that often. So that was that was a nice thing to see. We've got to give praise where it's due. I think six point five is fair. Um, I don't. Yeah, I think the goal he didn't have much chance with. It came through a crowd of bodies, and it's it was well struck in the corner. So yeah, I, th- I think it'd be a bit harsh to kind of point any blame his way on that one. Uh, Odebajo. Odebajo. Um, I thought Odebajo was quite good today. I'm going to go for a six point five. Okay. I I think I suppose you in a way you're right. I don't ever want to see him play centre-back again. Please just stop with this. I thought he was okay. Yeah, but hes it's a bit like, you know how we've talked about Dawson being kind of as good as the defence? So mm. if, he, if he doesn't have any shots to save, he does fine. He's a really good goalkeeper. If he's got lots of shots to save, he's going to let more in than most. And with Odebajo, it's like we didn't see him make a howler today. And by, by and large, his general play was all right. But I know he's more likely to do something stupid or defend really badly given half a chance than he is to do the right thing. Well, there's there's always a clangor in him, right? Oh, always. It should be um it should be on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh no, I think six point five is absolutely fair What's enough. What's the difference between Mozart de Vajo and, and the client and the moon? <laughs> uh the oh, Mozart de Vajo's only got one clangor in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh dear Aiden Flint Aiden Flint Aiden Flint was really good I'm going to go for a 7 for Aiden Flint I suspect you know, I, today man of the match would you say or, or, or you're I not definitely say yet? man of the match yeah. if there is a man of the match like he he kept us in this he he made this seem like I mean it was poor it was a deserved loss but it felt yeah. for a lot of it had it not been for a red card which I think is debatable yeah um, we almost could have got away with another clean sheet. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's that's incredible. I mean, that's that's really, really something. I think, I don't know. I, this is a difficult thing with doing this, Rich, is I don't know. I don't know where the weak link is today because it's a collective. I think the problem today, and I want to get onto this. This is something I put a pin in earlier. Um, we'll get into it when we go forward up the pitch. Let's talk about it then. So we've okay. got some stuff to talk about forward up the pitch. Um, but the whole overall of this, the individual performances at the back, I thought were good. Um, they weren't terrible. You know, it wasn't, no. we didn't concede because of giant clangers today. 
no, there, no. there is there is some weakness to talk about later on with this, and it but it's not uh, at the back. I, I it's not at the back. I don't. Quite close to the back though. Well, that's that. Yeah, we may have some interesting discussions about this. Anyway, Odebajo was fine. Flint was fine. We're going to come on to Van Aken. Van Aken. I'll give a 6.5 as well. You know, I, I was really dis. I was, you know, in conversation with Mel's brother, like I mentioned, because he was watching the game. And um, I really wanted to say to him, but I, I stopped myself. And this is hilarious because it's probably about five minutes before the red card happened. I felt like saying to him, Van Aken's quite good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, because I wanted him to see the fact that, like, he said, I can't believe Van Aken's been playing. And I'm like, he's been our best defender so far this season. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe unfortunately that's also a litany of Lee's being injured, Iorfa being injured. You know, I don't yeah. understand what's happened to Liam Palmer. I'm disappointed. If Palmer's fit, he should start. He should start at the expense of Adebajo. But the real thing is this this rebirth of Jos van Aken. I I I think that's I, I agree with everything you're saying, I think. I um and I liked as we sort of touched on he was getting all the way forward at times. He the the probably like our best moment in the first half, aside from the Patterson header, was towards the end of the half where Van Aken sort of added himself to the attack and kept the pressure on. And it, it felt like it was just going to break. The ball was going to break him behind, and Patterson or Marriott would just finish it off. It didn't happen in the end, but that felt like the most promising situation and the most likely thing to cause a goal so no I, I do agree and i think the sending off he's a bit naive with what with you know putting his foot that high he gives the ch- the ref a chance to make the decision but yeah it's not a vicious awful tackle he's doing the professional foul to stop them breaking up the field uh but the ref just saw his little moment in the spotlight and grabbed it and milked it for all it was worth mm. um kadeem harris Kadeem Harris was all right. Yeah. Um, 6.5. Deuce. Uh, let's go to the other side. Let's do Reach next. I'm going to do a five for Reach. Yeah. I'm just, I just felt today it's difficult to look at. And we talk about football in very weird lenses. And sometimes we, we use these terms and these words to try and sum up something that is difficult. It's a bit like the Steve Martin quote. Was it uh, writing about art is like dancing about architecture? Right. Nice. Yeah, that's very good. So I don't know, but one thing I wanted to say, there was definitely um, definitely something missing, and probably that something was probably like three or four things missing from Adam Reach's performance today. One thing I want to say, and one thing my hypothesis is, he looks low on confidence today. Oh, he's definitely low on confidence. Definitely, definitely. There is no, there's zero swagger. He's not owning it. He's not owning the ball. That impetus to kind of push forward and run with the ball and to do something and to attack the ball and to attack the space and to attack the men, you know, around him for the Luton Town players. All of that was missing today. I think I, I do wonder as well if reaches he's he's played every game so far this season. I mm. do I do wonder if a bit like Patterson and others, he's maybe suffering slightly from uh, being a, a bit overworked um, because he he's had a patchy couple of years in terms of the amount of football he's played, um, mm. and particularly sort of tail end of last season, it was he was very sort of 
he was out more than he was in. So I, I wonder whether there's a little bit of him just getting a bit worn, worn out at this stage. But it's just, it's disappointing because I thought he was looked like he'd sort of turned a corner to me. Uh, and I think he wasn't too bad against Brentford. But mm. today it just did not work. No. He, he suffers the worst from being square peg in, in, in round hole. The, like his, the fact he can do a job everywhere means he just gets shoved into positions or asked to do weird jobs all the time. And I, I think he's not that good at, he's not good at like clever things like that. I, like, I don't know his intelligence at all, but what he's good at is playing inside right wing <laughs> and at a push, his second position is left wing back. He's not very good at anything else. Stop playing him in the middle. Stop asking him to do a role where he's a bit in the middle, but also a bit on the left and a bit at the back. Well, this never works. Well, we talked last week, this time last week, about Adam Breach roving reporter. Roving reporter. But the, the, uh, but I would say he was playing inside right. Uh, yeah, he was playing from his favourite position. And I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a, a sort of um, coincidence that that was probably his best, the best he's played for about two years. Because mm. his starting place was that place of comfort. Where he was getting the ball most often was that place of comfort. Anyway, let's um, let's go for these two folks in the middle of the pitch. Joey so, Pelletti, the pest dispenser. Do, do, I... do, do, do. I'm actually going to go for a 6.5 for Joey Palapassi. Wow. Would you say he did a job, Luke? He did. I mean, you know, to paraphrase Cardi B and Megan the Stallion, uh, bring, a bu- <laughs> bring a bucket and a mop for this Pelu Pessi. <laughs> and we didn't have to today. I don't think he, he didn't piss everywhere. Uh, he didn't take a giant dump. You know, lovable Dutch golden, golden Labrador Joey Palapassi was okay. <laughs> was okay. And. Okay, yeah, I thought he was. Uh, what do you? What did you think about Joey Pelopez? Uh Yeah, I think he did okay. I don't think he did anything wrong. Uh, I thought there was a couple of situations where he actually acquitted himself quite well um, when he was dropped in it by poor passing. Um, mm. Like there was one particular moment where Bannon just sort of flung the ball at him when he had three players around him and. I thought Pelopesi did really, really well to come away with possession because it was an absolute, like, horrific task he'd been given. Um, I I don't know when this, when's the best time to talk about this, but I think both Mm -hmm. games have been a failure of selection and tactics, uh, I think, like, to a large extent. And I think Mm -hmm. today we almost played like we didn't have a midfield. Well, this is, I think, I, I want to talk about this at the top of the game, but yeah. I, I think the problem is this formation is garbage. Yeah. I really think that. So the the big problem with this game was just hoofing it long. But to, and I think the problem is we needed more players in the middle of the park to win that yes. midfield battle yes. in the middle of the park. So having two... We can have two players if they're really, really good players. Well, Luongo, it does so much. He lets that's the, the, the problem. two work. Yeah. yeah. But then outside of that, that's when it's, it's a similar deal to defensive issues. We don't have two good enough, so we need three. Yeah. And, you know, Bannon, Bannon's a great player. Bannon's a good, a talismanic player for us. We can get on to Bannon. 
Um, but, you know, if our coverage is Joey Pelopesi, we're looking woefully light in the middle of the park. Yeah. And yeah. it would be nice to have the movement from players in different positions to drop deep, to pick up the ball, to help drive something through the midfield to get to that point to make a, you know, to make an incisive pass, to make a defense splitting pass, to create something in the end. Um, I was just flicking through some of Gary Monk's comments uh, from the post-match. It was nothing mm-hmm. too incendiary or the thing I really disliked about what he said, though, he said, we created good chances today. I'm like, we did not. No. One thing we, I thought was sad was, yeah, the stats, yeah, the half time. Did you see that we had 10? Apparently, we had 10 shots. Well, apparently, we had 14 in the whole game. I cannot give you four shots no. for the entire game. No. Let alone whack another 10 on there. I don't know where that came from. So that was the funny thing. Half time, it was apparently we had 10 shots, we had one on target. Luton had four shots, one on target. That makes out that we were dominant. Lies, lies, and damn statistics. And then we had the, yeah. we had more of the possession. And I'm like, what? Yeah, this is this. Why... I think we did have more possession, but we didn't do. We it, that's why I was saying it was like it was like the performances we've had against teams where they every time they had the ball, they looked dangerous and and went through the phases and and created chances. We had a lot of middling possession where we sort of bumbled around and didn't make anything happen but i honestly i saw the statistics in fact my sister sent me the statistics on a on a a text chain and i i said i i they are so far away from my experience of watching this game that i would honestly not be surprised if they've got the teams the wrong way around because that's what it felt like Mm. it's yeah but totally bizarre but um no, I, I agree with you. So I, I I agree. I think that this formation does not work. I think it's weird because... So Dawson doesn't know where he's kicking the ball. So it, you can't read anything tactically from what he's doing, to be fair. Because um, he just kicks it and it goes where it goes. Generally not quite as far as it needs to. But Van Aken and Flynn are picking passes to play the pacey players in behind their defense that is not working at all we are getting nothing out of the the patterson is working his knackers off in this 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 this, uh, formation he's doing so much backwards and forwards and getting no joy i'm amazed he managed to get into the box to score his goal against brentford because it it's like he's got to tackle back and be part of the midfield sometimes when it, when that's needed mm. He's also got to be lead the line. And then you've got these two players around him that are never close enough or far enough away to be a threat. They never seem to get on the ball because they're trying to stretch the game. So they're, they take themselves out of passing situations. I don't understand it, and it is not working. I'd like to feel... Like I say, that, that, that's what I was saying about that. The team we put out against Brentford, it was almost like, oh my goodness, they, how on earth are they going to cope with all the stuff that we've got going on. We've got the three forwards. We've got Reach. We've got Harris. We've got Hunt. Oh, they're going to, we're going to blow their minds. No, we didn't do anything. You can't build mm. in the game. You need a base to work from. Mm-hmm. And this formation gives us no base. Yeah. Particularly, I mean, especially when you take Luongo, it only works with Luongo. I, th- I felt sorry for Alex Hunt midweek. It totally wasn't the job for him. He's not... He's not a defensive mm. midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Bannon doesn't give any protection. So I don't know why they there was even a thought that that was going to work, other than mm. Patterson would pull some sort of miracle and end up playing like Luongo and Patterson at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's maddening. I think our quality has let us down in both games. Bannon has been front and foremost of that. I think his set pieces yeah. are abysmal yeah. so far this year. Yeah. Uh, his passing is too... Uh, he's always trying to sort of drop it into players, and I think he just needs to fizz it a little bit more. While we've got pacey players, you need to give them opportunities to stretch their legs and work. So a lofty, slow pass that takes you know two, three, four seconds to land with Harris means his all of his advantages have gone by the time the ball gets there. It's not good enough. Um, I don't put, I don't, and I don't blame Bannon for it, but it's it's just an additional <laughs> this is not working and that's a, one of the reasons it's not working. Did we give Bannon a score? Sorry, I've got uh, we've got kind of waylaid. Well, no, we didn't really get into Bannon. I think we start talking about some of the problems about the formation, and then it, yeah. it kind of looks to that problem that we have that there's there's a severe kind of imbalance in the middle of the park. Um, but actually, Bannon, I'm going to go over six today. Yeah, and I really am doing that, Rich, to really make a point that Joey Pelopesi was better than Barry Bannon today. I'm glad you've spelled that out. It's crazy. But that's that's the thing. I mean, Bannon is always Bannon is always you know it's it's this Kadeem Harris. Barry Bannon levels, you know, Barry Bannon's always all right. You know, he's always good, you know, he is, but the, the... today was poor for Barry Bannon standards was very poor for Barry Bannon standards. Well, more than most games, Bannon could have made this a much better performance single handedly mm. because particularly when Patterson went off their, their reaction to that, which is totally understandable because they're, they are a league one team. They've got, Six foot three, four, six foot four monsters at the back. So what they did when we had all that pace, they dropped all the way back. So they defended their box. So there's no room in behind. That's perfectly understandable. It's probably the best thing to do. It's a good tactical decision for them to make. But what that means is there's a big gap for Bannon to play in. Bannon got loads of the ball, loads of time on the ball, loads of opportunities to play passes in, loads of opportunities to shoot. He did nothing with them. They're just He seems particularly bad at the sort of passes I thought he loved playing for Fletcher. The ones on the kind of like diagonal, so he's not quite on a wing, but he kind of chips it, you know, almost curls into the penalty spot and it's straightened out to being like mm-hmm. a cross by the time it gets to the striker. Those sort of passes he loved playing for Fletcher and he seems to have forgotten how to do it because he could have done that 10 times today. That's not an exaggeration. Because he was sat all the way back watching him play. And he didn't get a shot off. He didn't get a shot on target. Yeah, a letdown. A real letdown. Um, but then I don't wholly blame him, to be fair. <laughs> but 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 he could have made a difference today. If he pulled a, a, a performance out, it could have been a very different game. Uh, Marriott? Yeah. So Marriott is... Oh god, I've got to go. Oh, let's give him a player rating first before we get into this. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, a four. Yeah. He did the square root of fuck all today. He did absolutely nothing, and I don't know how much warrant and blame I'm going to put on Jack Marriott. So this is the problem. Like we can talk about individual performances. Everyone was kind of okay today, you know. 
but the problem was like this is the problem so we've sacrificed all that meat in the middle of the park because right now we've got five strikers who all seem fit but guess what rich they're all seem fit because because they're all strikers and largely they do fuck all all day <laughs> yes so is jordan Rhodes fit yeah well you know was he was he really worn out from the 15 minutes midweek was he really you know he really ran oh, around a lot thanks. we're not asking him to play in the middle of the park this oh. is a little bit why, like, I really hope it works out for Marriott here. I really hope this is a great signing. I really hope he scores goals. I'm really upset with us going for five signing and having five strikers at the club, knowing that we're not going to get rid of Jordan Rhodes, because who's going to take him from us? Who's going to pay that wages? It'd be ridiculous. In yeah. this economy, no. In this but, economy? In this economy? Yeah, I felt like I was saying that a bit like, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's put a new book out <laughs> called, is, is this a thing? Or is, is that what it's called? Is that something? <laughs> it feels a bit like I'm pitching a bit about like that for some kind of weird reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. This, but This formation, surely the, so sure, the idea is, is obvious. Is it? Uh, well, yes. So the idea is Patterson <laughs> comes deeper and you've got two pacey players, whether that's Windass. Windass whether Marriott. it's Windass or Kachunga or, you know, Marriott and, you know, whichever combination, they're pacey players. They're trying to play in behind. But that requires... So you've got to then... Okay, that's okay. That's the plan is that you hit Patterson. Can we ever hit Patterson with the ball? We don't seem to. No. Um, and... the how, how does Patterson do for winning the ball? Well, I don't know. Because... So the first thing is... So there are three things part of this, isn't there, Rich? The first one is the ball to Patterson. Is yes. that a good ball? The second no, one is it's dog shit. <laughs> let me do let me let me do this as like a question and answer for you, Rich. Like it's a like it's a fort flow chart. For, Can I just thing. say no? It, but it's garbage to every step. But then give an answer to the whole. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So the ball was played forward to Patterson. Was it a good ball, Rich? No, it was garbage. <laughs> did Patterson win? Did Patterson win the ball? Is sort of in that atty way that it might have bounced off his head, but and he the didn't third question is, about it. did we win the second ball? <laughs> no, because there's nobody anywhere near him. So right, that's that's that's, that's yeah. You probably have a comment about that, don't you? That's that's basically it. Yeah, there's nobody win it. There's no chance to, for anybody to win any second ball. So why are we doing this? Uh, so I think so. For, so, so so Patterson, I've been blown away by his work rate. I love the fact that he likes all the dirty little things like he'll rough up a defender when nobody's looking and he kicks the ball away. And like, I, I like all those like little nasty traits, you know, I, I like all that stuff about him. And I like that he works hard going backwards, like that he works hard going forwards. Um, lots to like about him, but it looks like as a target man, he's more of an Atty New Year than a Stephen Fletcher. There's maybe room to grow. He's young enough, but it's like he's good enough to compete and win a header, but he's not really aiming it anywhere. And that does make your job harder as Kachunga or Marriott. But even given that, they are doing a bad job at that job. They seem to always be miles away from him or right on top of him. They are never in that happy medium of a, <laughs> a position where they might actually benefit from from the ball flicked on if it ever mm. gets flicked on but Dawson is hitting it too uh 
too lightly. It's not going far enough up the field. So then Patterson's having to come deep and sort of fight with midfielders for it. And the two defenders are hit um, because Zodabadjo didn't really play the ball forward that much. But Flint and Van Van Aken are hitting it too deep. So they're like playing it for runners in behind, which again doesn't give Patterson any hope with it. I just don't know what the what the intention is. It just and it's not working. So, so the the thing that I think. So I, I I'm really glad you said that because it actually gives me an idea and a concept of how this is supposed to work, but it doesn't work at all in the slightest. No. My mentality would be that rather than doing this three four three, which is just bananas. Um, my mentality would be doing a three-five-two and having another body in midfield. In which case, then I think let's get a little bit kind of outdated with a very simplistic idea. Because again, this is just a, a, a thought concept at this point, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'd have Patterson and one other. You would have one of Windas, Kachunga, Marriott, kind of alongside Patterson as a target man. Yeah, someone to win those headoffs, and then you have a third player at the middle of the park. So in theory, I feel like Maria is in this mentality, the one who's a real luxury who we can't afford. Well, <laughs> or I was also thinking about seeing as this four, uh, three, four, three and thinking that like, I appreciate you giving that. My other mentality was Kachunga was doing so much work. Yeah. Yeah. That Marriott was effectively, you're almost having like Marriott's being forward, the furthest forward Patterson's in the middle Kachunga's a bit behind him. So the luxury is, can we work it and get those chances to feed in Marriott to do his thing? So, yeah, there's two things from that, though. So, weirdly, midweek, Windass was the one that was the spare peg. Not a peg, not spare peg. But, you know, he was the one that was, like, the odd one out and not doing anything, not getting involved in the game. And Marriott was a little bit more involved. Whereas, yeah, as you say, Kachunga was the one that was more involved today. What happened at half time with Kachunga? Because he disappeared. Was he told that what what he was doing wasn't right and he needed to get forward more? No idea. I've no idea because I uh, yeah. But essentially, I... what we're trying to do. So the way it's supposed to work is like big man, little man, but two little men. Yeah, yeah. But we're sacrificing so much of the middle of the park for that. I know to try and afford this experiment which and it's really not working no because we were playing with three in midfield when we had izzy brown yeah well we we were doing a three five two then weren't we yeah i just don't know why that was was brown ban and luongo pretty much right yeah the problem this is the problem we don't have the players in the middle of the park so i don't know hunt is a small boy he's very similar to bannon but hunt would have been better midweek if if pelupesi had played and Hunt. That yeah. would have been a better combination. I don't know where, why on earth we thought but I'm that also, and Bannon was a good combination. But I'm also wondering, Rich, if like the mentality is now unfortunate, and this is this is what we're having right now. We don't have enough characters in the middle. Of, we don't have enough players in the middle of the midfield. Yeah. Or we've had two injuries, and suddenly it's a similar deal to how we are at centre-back. Because suddenly you're looking to be in a situation where you're playing three players, and so you want three or five, so suddenly you get a couple of injuries you are bereft of any options there to do that. So I can see why they've sacrificed. The problem is, though, I think as a kind of antithesis to last year, last year, last season, you know, you remember me saying on the podcast a few times, we may as well go 4-6-0 because we're getting more industry in midfield than a striker because strikers don't work hard and especially our strikers. Yeah. 
you know, we'd be we'd be uh, we'd be but impressed if we'd be impressed active. if Jordan Rudd sweated in a game, wouldn't we? <laughs> but I think they're actively being encouraged not to work back. I think they're being told to stretch and and right push. So that's why I think like Kachunga was told at half time to stop. The work he was doing was going backwards. And that's how he was getting more involved with the game. And it was like after half time he was told to go <laughs> it was like he's told to go forward and try and do what Marriott was doing, which was nothing. Because otherwise, I mean, outside of this, if you're kind of in a certain different mentality, like I really appreciate you again giving us concepts of what we're supposed to be doing with Patterson and then well, two other strikers. Because I mean outside of that, you're looking at a free for free and you're thinking, why are we doubling up on the wings from an attacking sense? It's Yeah. That's that's some real maverick madness. Oh, I don't know. It's really, it's really bad shit. Yeah, that's the thing. You couldn't come out of. I, I thought midweek. I thought we just got the team selection wrong. I thought. I thought once we made the Pelopesi change, it, it all made a lot more sense. But uh, it was really disheartening to see the same team basically again because that was a stopgap. That was a you know th- they lost the game. <laughs> So mm. it's like we're playing the formation that lost the least or something. I don't know. It was a, it was a, it's not like we're picking well you know like don't change a winning side. Don't change a side that managed to hold on to a for a draw without threatening for a half of football. Weird. Mm. Um okay. Um <laughs> let's give a score to Patterson. Patterson, 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 Patterson. Uh, maybe a 6. Okay. He was okay. Um I hope he's I hope he's not too badly injured. That would be a real shame. Uh, but maybe that would make be okay because it maybe give us some idea of something else to do. You know. But then we'll go back to being clueless and not having a front man. I know. Well, we needed a. We really needed a second tall we'll just man. Keep, yeah, we'll honest. just keep lumping it to two guys that are a foot shorter than their defenders and watch it come back again and again. Um, mm. Kachunga. I only have six point five. Kachunga. I thought he was quite good. Um, I want to say that to make a point of saying that he's probably worked hard and was probably the best out of the forward three. Yeah, he looks like he's got a lot, uh, like a lot about him. I think, mm. I, like it's it's understated. Like I I don't know. I'm not dismayed when I see his name on a team sheet. I don't expect big things, but then I find that he kind of mildly surprises me. And he's got that work rate. Yeah, he's got a work rate that puts like a lot of that forward line to shame. The rest of his, you know, his other, his other colleagues up front, right? Yeah, I, it's interesting because I'm pleased that he sort of came on and because he should have been brought on midweek. Let's be frank; like instead of Jordan Rhodes, it should have been. Oh yes, definitely. Chunga that came on midweek. That was my mentality completely. So it was, it was nice that he got given the chance and he played up to it. Uh, but then I also thought Windass looked looked good, like looked like an improvement when he came on today. Today. Maybe you don't agree, but I just thought he well, I thought he was willing to spend a bit of time on the ball and pick some passes in a way that everybody else just seemed so frightened of of possession. But um okay, well let's so well let's go through the, the subs then. So Windass came on sixty fifth minute for the injured Patterson. Are you gonna give him like a three? <laughs> a five. I remembered nothing that he did. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so, so conversations with my brother, he said <laughs> Early on the game, he said, uh, "Take take a drink when Marriott touches it." <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, about the 65th minute, says, "I'm quite thirsty at this point." 
and then it became take a drink take a drink when wind that such as it and i was like i remembered i remembered nothing that he did see he got on the ball that see that i think is unfair because he got on the ball he was he was on the ball more than the other three combined in the time he was on the pitch mm. he he went out to the flanks he was trying to make things happen i i think that's harsh on uh, i thought windass was probably him and Kachunga were were maybe sort of level or maybe Kachunga slightly ahead, but he was streets ahead of what Patterson and Mario did today for me anyway. Um, Berner came on too late, unfortunately, to uh, stop the goal. Yeah, yeah, five maybe. Um, he was okay. I don't know. He ran around. I'm yep. interested if we're going to see him back. Um, because I mean now, so uh, Lanaka's got a red card. Is that a is that a one game or is that a free? I'm always really confused now with red cards, like how what the suspension is. It depends whether it's a judge to be violent, violent conduct, isn't it? I think yeah, possibly it will be a three. I think, but uh, we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think from the way the referee acted, I, I think if it's a three, we'll challenge it. But I don't know. I don't know whether we'll get it back because they do, they're always loath to do that. Mm. Um, John Rhodes. He spent 10 minutes on the pitch as well. I'll give him a four. Give him a four. Oh, well, there you go. I don't know. We, yeah. So, can we just look at, like... Gary Monk. <laughs> I think of Gary Monk. Yeah, I'm giving him a four for this one. This is poor. Uh, this is piss poor, Gary. This is really dire. Like, this idea of what you think is going to work doesn't work. It, it, it reminds me a lot of... Do you remember... Do you remember, like... Um, under Alan Irvin, and we went away to. Did we lose to Yeovil? And oh. he was asked about playing in the middle of the park, like a four-five-one, or it was kind of like. And they had some special role for Tommy Miller in the oh, middle of the park. Yes. And he was, they were like, "What you know? What did you do?" It's like, well, he was going to play in between like pockets, and I'm like, <laughs> I just, I don't think football happens the way that you think it does. You know, you could almost, like, <laughs> yeah, you could almost do the team selection you know, we've talked about the kind of um you know the cocaine dream cocaine uh idea type mm. thing you could almost the brentford team selection could almost be like a kind of coke binge type just getting overly enthused by <laughs> all the very modest threats you know yeah you know it reminds you of the quote that like football is a simple game that's overfought yeah you know like I think sometimes we're guilty of that as well. But I mean, I'm not coming up with these radical, radical, bizarre suggestions. So here we go. Substitutes. Let's let's think. Um, I know he came under some slack for midweek, but FDB, Delhi Bashuru. I didn't understand the flack, to be honest. No, neither did I. I'm going to be honest. I was kind of surprised. And but he could have played in the middle the park, of the park. was him as well. If we would have gone with Bannon... Deli Bashuru, Pelopesi, it would have been a damn sight more improved. You know, because yes. Deli Bashuru is the one who can link things up. You can sacrifice Marriott. I, I don't know who you'd go with. Uh, Patterson and you may as well just, just roll a die. One of four gets you Kachunga. Two five gets you Marriott. <laughs> six gets you. There we go. Gary Monk, yeah. the dice. You know, your life by the dice, Gary. But this is what's maddening and has been maddening about Monk ugh, sort of since Christmas. How, like, we, we're we not geniuses. I mean, you, you're very kind to me and my, you know, my two-bit assessments of things. But, <laughs> but like, you can't, 
like there's just only so many things you can get away with. Obviously, every team is making compromises. They're compromising on what they can get for their budget, compromising on who's who's fit and blah, blah, blah. But we can't, we are not, you know, we're not Real Madrid. We can't have show, showy players in every position and hope that they're all so good they're going to blow away the opposition. So you well, I mean, just... also, I mean, showy is injured right now, so. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is. But, like, you can get away with, a, a so-so goalkeeper if you've got a really solid defence. You can get away with playing a, a completely unsuitable player in your back three in Moses Adebayo if you've got a really good goalkeeper and a solid midfield. You can get away with playing two wingers as your wing-backs with really very little defensive accuracy if everything else is solid and held together. Do you know what I mean? Like you can get away with no mm. midfield as long as you've got a killer defence and a brilliant front line. You can't have like middling everything and take all the risks and win games. It's just not going to happen. We don't have the quality. If everything is a like a gamble on top of a gamble that doesn't, to me, doesn't, like half of it doesn't make any sense. Take the choice to have three players up front is a sort of luxury decision where you might do that to kind of squeeze in an exceptional talent. Mm. But if you do that, then you've got to make sure everybody else is on the metal. You can't then have the other stuff that we've talked about, a kind of so-so midfielder that only ever gets to play when somebody's injured, um, you know, holding the back, holding the door to the, you know, holding the gate to the back four or back three. <sighs> I don't. I, but how can it be so glaringly obvious from the outside looking in? But it doesn't seem to. Maybe it is overthinking, like you say. Maybe it's like I'm so clever or brilliant. I'm gonna. Well, actually, what I've come up with is I don't need to do the sensible thing because I've thought of a, a new plan. I don't know whether that comes into it. But um, it's got to get better, and it's got to get better really quick because <laughs> these are now two must-win games in a row. Uh, whether you consider that from the point of they, we are a upper mid-table team, uh, apart from the points deduction, and therefore should be beating teams near the bottom, or we are a team in a relegation battle and we need to beat our rivals. Both of those things play into the fact that we need to be doing all that we can to pick up mm. three points against Rotherham and three points against Wickham. Oh, mm. well... I think we should probably kind of close it there. What do you think of that, Luke? Yeah, yeah, I think we're done. We talked for a long time about some disappointing Sheffield Wednesday football. I mean, thankfully, weeks where we lose two in a week don't come along that often. They are always <laughs> an absolute sickener when they come. But hopefully, uh, we get the opportunity to look on look on a very different week next week, and uh, we'll we'll have we'll be in buoyant mood when we speak again. That would be nice. I really hope so. I mean, the other thing I was going to kind of counter your point with: no, Rich. Sometimes we only have one game, and we only lose once a week. Hey. But again, sorry, I'm getting very negative. Well, I'm going to say cheerio, Luke. Hope you have a nice week, and um, you know you managed to stay safe and all the rest of it. Um, and same to the folks at home. Whatever tier you're in, I hope you haven't shed too many tears at the dreadful performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
Oh, well, on that, on that cheery note, goodbye. Cheerio, folks. See you, everyone.